Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, hey, church. Happy Labor Day weekend. We hope you're well wherever you're watching this from. We know uh, many of you, this is like your last camping weekend of the summer, or if you're watching from home, not feeling well, whatever's going on, not able to join us in person, we're thankful that you're watching this online. This weekend, we're actually outside in our services, and so we're filming this message in the, in the week, and we're going to be uh, outside for our, all of our services. So if you're anywhere near Sumner, 6 p.m. Saturday, 9-11 on Sunday morning, we'd love to have you outside. We're doing a bunch of baptisms this weekend, and so we're excited to celebrate life change and new life in both children, students, and adults. So it's going to be uh, just an exciting weekend at Calvary Community Church. But we want to thank you for tuning with us online, and let us know in the comments where you're watching from or uh, where you're watching from in the world, who you're watching with. We'd just love to engage with you in that way. But I figured this weekend, because we are doing so many baptisms around our church, and it just is an incredible way to celebrate life change, I I felt led by the Spirit to go and to study and to talk about Jesus' baptism in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. And so just for these next 10, 15 minutes, I'd love to just discuss some elements around Jesus' baptism, and I think it'll be encouraging for, for you. Here's, here's Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Verse 10 of Mark chapter 1 says, And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, with whom I am well pleased. I love this passage of scripture for so many different reasons. We're going to talk about this passage of scripture and kind of the surrounding things around it. But I was thinking about this. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I, I was thinking, this is just how Jesus came to start his ministry, his public ministry. At this point, Jesus was 30 years old, and he came out of the wilderness into the Jordan River where there was many other people getting baptized. And I was thinking about this question, how, how well do you start things? Like how well in your life do you start the things that go on? Maybe you have a new job, how well do you start? Uh, a new endeavor in your life, how well do you start? You know, here we are, and for many of us, we are on the endeavor, the beginning of a new school year. For so many in our church, uh, we have young families or families in school. The the September means the beginning. September means the start of a new year. And so this is kind of an opportunity for us in a new rhythm, new year, to say, how are we going to start this year? I I wear this uh, Garmin watch, and uh, it's I love it. It helps me when I work out. It kind of helps me track how fast I'm running, all those kinds of things. And well, one of the things I've noticed recently is when I start the Garmin watch and then I start my run or I start my workout, more particularly when I start my run and I see how I'm running, I notice that the first couple laps, I'm always like, man, I'm running like a five minute mile if I keep this pace up. Lap one, lap two, it's awesome. And then If you're anything like me, once you hit lap three and you're running or lap four when you're running or lap five, your pace tends to go down. I wonder if that's what it's like in many of our lives when it just comes to our spiritual life. We maybe started really strong. We are all in with Jesus. And then as time has gone on, maybe we faded a bit. 
So we have a beautiful opportunity this, at this time, September, beginning of September, as we're launching into a new school year, new rhythms for so many of us to say, how are we gonna start? And we have a beautiful opportunity to look at how Jesus started his earthly ministry at 30 years old to give us some, some tools for this. You see in Mark chapter one, around Jesus' baptism, and then right after in the elements after, we learn some eternal truths and we learn what it means to live as a loved person what it means as someone to be loved by the Father. You see, in Jesus' baptism, we see, and catch this, this is so important. In Jesus' baptism, we see that as he casts a vision through these moments, we see what he is really about. We see, we see from the beginning, from the first time Jesus shows up on the scene to be baptized in front of all these people, he, he, he is telling us in subtle and loud ways what his ministry is all going to be about. And I want to talk about that. So just consider with me how crazy it is that Jesus chose to get baptized. I mean, if you just pause and you think about this, that the God of the universe, sinless, came to this earth, was without sin, without brokenness, without the struggles that you and I have. The Bible says that he felt the things that it meant to be human, but he did it without sinning. And he still chose to go into the waters of baptism, especially in the context of the person doing the baptizing. His name was John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And John the Baptizer was a prophetic person. He came prophetically and, and the scriptures declare him as someone that prepared the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist was teaching as he's baptizing people saying, there's going to be a Messiah, there's going to be a savior. He was teaching a baptism of repentance. He's saying, come and repent of your sins and get baptized and then you will be saved. This is what John was teaching and sharing. And so Jesus comes on the scene without sin, not in need of forgiveness, and yet still comes and looks at John and says, John, I want you to baptize me. I mean, put yourself in John's shoes for just a second. Here's Jesus. And, and the Bible says that when John sees Jesus, which they would have known each other, most likely, John sees Jesus, he just, there's something that, that clicked in his mind that said, oh, that he's, he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. In fact, when he goes into the water, the scriptures declare in all throughout the gospels that John looks at Jesus and says, I am not worthy to baptize you, Jesus. You should be the one baptizing me. In fact, this is what it says in Matthew chapter three. It says, but John tried to deter him. This is Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism. But John tried to deter him saying, I actually need to be baptized by you, Jesus. This is what John says. And do you come to me to be baptized? Verse 15, and let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented and baptized him. In other words, John understood the picture of what was happening. John understood that the Messiah would come to be baptized at the beginning of his public ministry. And so John baptizes Jesus right there on the Jordan River. Many of us have been right there where that happened. And so Jesus gets baptized and not because he had sinned, but this is why Jesus gets baptized. Why does he do this? This is why. I believe, at least in my opinion, and from what I can study, Jesus was baptized to relate and to identify with us. As you remember, Jesus is, is casting a vision through his life about the kingdom. 
And from the very outset, the very beginning, we're talking about having starting strong. From the very beginning, he casts a vision that he wanted to be somebody that would, that would identify and that would relate with the people. See, Jesus, as King Jesus, he didn't come, uh, we've talked about many times, he didn't come as royalty. He came to be amongst the people. So Jesus chose at the very beginning of his public ministry to be baptized and to identify with people. Jesus came to this earth to live humbly. I mean, consider for the first 30 years of his life, he was a carpenter. For the first 30 years of his life, he was in, in, a, in a city like Nazareth that wasn't a popular city. And yet he goes into the same waters of baptism as all of the other people that are getting baptized. And he allows John the Baptist to baptize him. You see, friends, Jesus was an amazing leader. He was an amazing man. And consider that he was amongst all these people on the shores of Galilee. And I don't know why, to me, I just as I read Jesus getting baptized, it just kind of blows my mind that he would choose to get baptized. This, this, this baptism, this first public event of Jesus' ministry was a vision, was a symbol of what was to come. And Jesus goes into the, the waters, the, the same waters that have been so symbolic all throughout the Old Testament. And we could do a whole teaching on that. He comes into those same waters and he, and he goes down into the water representing uh, dying to self and out of the waters, newness of life in Christ. And, and from the very get-go, he goes and be, be baptized prophetically so that the people will understand that he has come for a mission. And later, later it will make sense. At this point, they just think it's probably just mind-blowing that Jesus would get baptized once they knew who he was. But Jesus' baptism was to show at the very beginning of his ministry what he was about. He was about new life. Jesus came to show, he goes to get baptized, to show that one day, he would go to a cross and he knew this. He came to this earth on mission and purpose knowing that one day he would go to the cross. So he starts his ministry out being baptized, representing this new life from the get-go. The beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end of his earthly ministry was all about new life. It was all about being changed in the presence of God. This is what he came to do. And this really, really matters. How you start something really matters. So then Jesus was baptized. He points people to a new kind of living. This is why he did it. And I love this. We read it in Mark 1. Maybe you need to go back and reread it later. But he says this. He says, as, as he was baptized, the scriptures say that the Holy Spirit then falls like a dove. This symbolizing the anointing that was gonna be on his life for his ministry. Jesus gets baptized. The scriptures say a spirit comes and is present like a dove. And then later, in Mark 1, it says this. We read it, but he says this. The father said these words, check this. You are my beloved son, and with you, I am very pleased. I am well pleased. So picture this. Jesus starts his ministry. He gets baptized. Here comes the dove as a representation of the Holy Spirit. A dove all throughout scripture has been a representation of the Holy Spirit's presence being there. And then God the Father shares these powerful words for Jesus, but they're also, I think, for us today. You are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. Now, I could do a whole teaching here on 
uh, the elements of Scripture where the Trinity shows up, Father, Son, and Spirit. But this is one of them. Genesis 1 is another one of those places in Mark chapter 1 and the other accounts in the Gospels around Jesus' baptism. When Jesus is baptized, it's one of the places in Scripture where we, we get a theology of the Trinity, where we see that Jesus was, was God in the flesh on earth, the Holy Spirit comes to be with and to guide and to anoint Jesus. And then God the Father present, speaking words of love and beloved to his son. So in summary of Jesus' baptism, we see that the son identifies with us in humility. And if you want to study on that, you could read Hebrews even more and more where it talks about how Jesus uh, was without sin, but he also related with us in our brokenness and in our pain and in our sorrow. This is what Jesus decided to do. He identified us with baptism. And then he, he gets anointed by the spirit coming like a dove. And that is also a teaching for us to say, anointing, it still matters in our lives. And the father speaks and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so as I, as I kind of wrap up for the next five or six minutes, I want to just end with that statement because I, I feel like as we get to the outset of the beginning of this school year, I feel like there's, there's people that need to be reminded of that very powerful phrase that God the Father says to Jesus, that you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. In other words, I, I, I pray, and I've been praying for you, I, I pray that you would live loved this, this year. And maybe you're not starting off a new year. Maybe this is just a normal rhythm for you. But wherever you're at, I pray that you would maybe have a check in your heart and your spirit to live loved. You see, so many people don't live loved. So many people, they live hurt. So many people, they live full of fear. See, so many people, they live with no vision. So many people live with no wisdom. So many people live with anxiety and they live with shame. But what if you lived loved? What would be different about your life if you chose to live loved? And so I think in this scripture, we can see how Jesus chooses to live loved. In fact, I have a few statements, just I want just three statements as we kind of wrap this up today. The first thing I just want you to think about when it comes to living loved, the father says to Jesus, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved son. The same thing is said about you. And the first statement is this, Jesus wants us to know, I believe at Calvary Community Church this week, and that I am loved before anything else I do. I'm going to say that again. I am loved before I ever do anything for God. I am loved before anything else I do or anything I do for God. Consider Jesus hadn't even started his ministry and the father was proud of him. The father was proud of Jesus, not for anything he had done yet, but he was proud and he loved Jesus because that's who he was. See, so many of us, we think God loves us because of who we are. So many of us think God loves us or we think we're worthy of being loved because of what we have. We're worthy of being loved or we, we're, we're someone that God would want because of what we do for God or what we do for the world or what we do for other people. We, we think we're loved or we're valuable because of what people say about us. And we live this life of this like, what people say about me and we, we feel loved and then people say bad things about us and now we don't feel loved anymore. 
And, and then we, we say, oh, I'm doing so many things for God. I, I have great church attendance. I'm serving all throughout the church. I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do and I feel really loved until something happens and you step out of that. Or maybe you don't feel the validation that you're looking for. And all of a sudden, you don't feel loved anymore. Friends, let me, just get, let me just encourage you as much as I could. I wish I could be with you and encourage you in person, but just via video today, I just want you to know God loves you, not for what you do, but who you are. And I might even ask this question as, as we're on it. When did God choose to love you? Like when did God choose to love you? The scriptures are very clear about this. In Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And it's so clear. He chose to love us in Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, you're loved before anything you do for God. Number two, living loved. I, I pray we would live loved. Number two, I'm loved, that, I'm loved enough that God chooses to put me through tough seasons to train me. I'm loved enough that God chooses to put me through seasons to train me. Consider this, right after Jesus' baptism, Jesus is baptized, there's that beautiful moment, the Father speaks love into him. And then the scriptures say in Mark 1, this is the next verse, right after that moment, incredible moment, Jesus is baptized, it's just, this, it's just this beautiful picture. And literally the next verse in Mark 1, it says this, the spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Do you see that? Literally, Amazing moment. This is my son who I am well pleased right after. It doesn't say that Jesus just ended up in the wilderness. It says very clearly, the spirit immediately, that is the Holy Spirit of God, immediately drove him into the wilderness. In other words, God loves us enough to put us through seasons to train us. God doesn't put you things to trick you. God doesn't put you, put you through things to tempt you or to, or to put you through these crazy thing just because he thinks it's fun. No, no, no. God puts us through tough things sometimes. He sends us into wilderness seasons like Jesus himself had to go to because he loves us and he wants to build us up. What if you could change your perspective on wilderness seasons? What if you saw the things in your life of, of maybe going into the wilderness as more of a divine appointment to shape you, to cultivate your passions and your callings? Friends, nothing anointing ever comes easy. And nothing, nothing ever comes easy. And that's why the anointing is so important is what I meant to say. Nothing important ever comes easy. The anointing is so important in our lives. And so friends, you're loved enough that God chooses to put you through tough seasons. I, I think we need to shift our perspective on those things. So I'm, I'm loved before I ever do anything for God. I'm loved enough that God wants to maybe put me through tough things sometimes to train me and cultivate me so that I can be built up in who he's calling me to be. And then lastly, I'm loved so that I can be used to love others. Living loved. I am loved so that I can be used to love others. Catch this, Jesus was baptized. Jesus was sent into the wilderness to be trained and to be to be cultivated in his spirit for ministry. And right when Jesus comes back from the wilderness, the next scripture in Mark chapter one, verse 14 says, now after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, living loved, God, God speaks these words to Jesus. You're my beloved. 
And then he sends him into the wilderness. And then he comes out of the wilderness and he is so loved so that he immediately, immediately the scriptures say in Mark chapter one, he begins to go and to share the gospel with people. He begins to go love others. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to, in his earthly ministry for those years was all about speaking truth, was all about talking about the kingdom. And, and Jesus, it says very, very clearly here, as he came out of the wilderness, right into ministry. This is, this is the model for us too, that we, we receive God's love. We, we get baptized. We, get, we, we understand the, the Father speaks his words of love towards us before we ever do a thing. We maybe have to go into a season of training and a season of wilderness to get built up. And that might happen multiple times in our life. But then it's not so that we can just get built up. It's so that we can be used as a vessel of hope into the places around us. And, and, and a lot of that means, that means a lot of different things, but I might just add one thing just as we close today. Your love so you can love others. And one of the greatest ways in 2023, I think that's the year we're in, 2023, you can love others is by sharing truth, is by speaking truth into people's lives, speaking truth in love knowing people well enough. I'm not talking about ambiguous truth that you might share in a social media account. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being in relationship enough with someone in your life that you would love them enough to speak truth into them. This is what God does in our lives when we understand his love. In fact, Tim Keller says it this way. Tim Keller says this. This is the last quote I'm gonna read. He says, love without truth is, is sentiment. It supports and affirms us but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. But truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. See, God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and repent. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling and rest in God's mercy and grace. I love that. We, we have to love people enough. We have to be loved by God, understand his love so much that we'd be open to being used by him in many different ways and maybe even speaking truth. That might be a great quote for you to think and to chew on this week. You know, um, I can't speak a sermon without talking about my two-year-old. And uh, when I was going to Israel earlier this year, I realized that this was the longest I was going to be away from my two-year-old. And so I began, his name's Liam, away from Liam. And so I, I began to teach him this song. I said, hey, daddy's going to go to Israel for two weeks. I'm going to be back. But whenever you think about daddy, I want you to remember this song. And him and I, we learned this song together. And it, it, it's this song. Do you ever make up songs with your kids? Do you ever just make up songs? And it's just this very simple Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Yes, he does. And we just sing that over and over and over. And now, if Liam was here, he'd be able to sing that song with us. With he could he has it memorized. He knows this truth that even when Daddy was in Israel a little bit earlier this year, he could remember those words that Daddy still loved him and was thinking about him. And the same is true today. I wonder if you've forgotten about God's love for you. I wonder if you've forgotten how to live loved. See, you see, the truth is, my friends, we can get so used to living hurt. We can get so used to living in fear. We can get so used to living in worry or anxiety that that just becomes the norm for us. 
But may it not be so with you. May it not be so with me. May we be the types of people that say, this year, at the beginning of this school year, or this new season, or at the beginning of September, I'm going to be someone that lives loved. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he proclaims, I have come for the kingdom. He comes to be baptized, foreshadowing the, the work that he was going to do on the cross. He, he comes to show people his love. He comes to go to the wilderness to show us that sometimes God will send us to the wilderness. But all of this was so that he could be sent out in the world as God's son to share about the kingdom with us. And the same, the same task is in our hands now to be the people that share the great commission, to share the truth about Jesus, the love about Jesus, and we live loved, not hurt, but we live loved in our lives. So I pray that for you. In fact, let me pray that for you right now as we close. Lord, we, I thank you for the scripture, the simple scripture in Mark 1. I pray some of the truths I pulled out today would be uplifting and encouraging to the friends that are watching this. Lord, we love you. Wherever people are watching, I pray you bless them. I pray we would be people that live loved. We'd be people that uh, know that we're loved before we do anything, that we're loved enough that sometimes you put us through things to train us. And yes, Lord, you, you love us so that we can love the people close to us and maybe even have to speak truth to them. But that's okay because when we love people enough, we're willing to do that. Bless our church, bless the season. We thank you for the many that are getting baptized on campus this weekend at, at Calvary, the new life in you. So we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.